Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style and powerography would like to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners quartz and canary jewelry and wellness company use code empower 15 to receive 15 percent off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com quartz and canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style hello there brad walsh here your host of the empowerography podcast today my guest is camilla fellas arnold she is a creativity and writing coach a publisher a podcast host an artist a photographer and also an international best-selling author welcome camilla how are you today i'm good thank you thank you for having me and thank you for a lovely introduction <laughs> <laughs> thank you for making the time to be here with me today and agreeing to sit down and chat and share a little bit about your story and your journey i am so excited and honored to have you here so thank you i appreciate you thank you for having me i'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation so all of these hats you wear, that's a hell of a lot of hats you're wearing. And I mean, I know you obviously don't wear all the hats at the same time. That would be pretty interesting. But, Very. <laughs> but how important is prioritization and organization to you? And how do you stay on top of things? Oh, wow. That's a big question to jump in with. Yeah. So prioritization is really, really important. But I would say I'm not terribly good at it. So I tend to, rather than have a to-do list and I'm checking it off every single day, I'm not as structured. I tend to go with how I'm feeling. And I like to kind of map out what I'm doing for a day. So if I've got my podcast head on, I'm working on that on that particular day rather than sort of flitting between different things. Although I do like the variety, it's so much easier for me to get more done when I'm focused on that one thing. However, I don't sit there and have my week structured that every certain Tuesday I'm doing this particular project or, you know, Wednesdays mornings are for this or whatever. I just I let it flow. But once I've kind of set what I'm doing for the day, that tends to be the topic that I dive into. And I just find that that works for me. Maybe it's the creativity in me that, you know, we can't <laughs> be too structured. Yes. But, you know, I found a system that works for me. Now, I'm very curious, you being obviously a serial entrepreneur and wearing so many hats, wearing all the hats you do, do you have a morning routine then? Since we're talking about how creatives are usually not so structured, do you have a morning routine? And if so, what does that look like? My morning routine is space for me. It's very non-negotiable time. And what it is, is I have two dogs. They always make sure that I get up at around seven because they want their breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's definitely no later than half seven. Yeah. Um, and then from then, obviously, they'll have their breakfast and I sort out my breakfast as well. And then I have some quiet time. I'll do my meditation. I will catch up on, you know, if I've got any messages and a bit of social media, those kind of things, and just have that. It's almost like an incubation time for me, some right. reflective time that 
can be up to an hour or so. And then usually I'm getting ready to take them out for a walk. My mornings are quite slow, basically. We'll go for a morning walk that takes about an hour. And usually my working day doesn't actually start until about half 10, sometimes 11. Yeah, it's it used to be that I'd start at nine and then work all the way through until, you know, five even working for myself at home but I found that I would just keep going and get burnt out whereas if I take that time to have my morning for me and slower start I still get the same amount of work done just in less time and I feel like I've actually clawed back some of my life. You know it's funny I've talked to a few people lately and a few of them have said that, yeah, they don't start their day till 10, 10, 30, yeah. 11 o'clock because they take that time for them. And that's I it. It's it's really an, and it's not negotiable. Definitely. Because we're so busy during the day. You've got all these people that you can talk to, calls and appointments and things that so many people want to do them in that working hour window that a lot of the time you feel you only have you can claw back time for yourself in either the mornings or the evenings. And for me, I'm definitely nowhere near my best in the evenings. So reflective time doesn't work for me then. So I've just yeah. had to kind of shift my day around to find where it does work for me. Well, good for you for doing it. I think we as humans need to do that more often. Definitely. I mean, it's so difficult. We're in this world where we've got all this structure and people think, you know, you get up, you get ready for work, it's nine to five and everyone has to do the same thing. But that cookie cutter approach really doesn't work for everyone. And I think people are starting to wake up to that now and realize, actually, this isn't working for me. It's not making me happy. What can I do to make it work for me yeah. you know what otherwise what's the point that's when we get burnt out depressed exhausted and just unhappy with life yeah I think it's really important that people are finding their own routines and finding clawing back that me time definitely yeah there there has definitely been a shift absolutely and it's great to see that people are starting to I'll use that word awake and yes. uh, and shift <laughs> so it's good so I'm curious as well again you being the serial entrepreneur have you always had that entrepreneurial bug in you like was and if so where do you think that comes from I think I have so my dad he was the first person I thought of he's always had tons of ideas kind of had that business head and I suppose when I was younger and you know as a teenager he talked to me and it kind of gave me that idea that maybe one day I could be my own boss and I loved the idea as I was school and college and university of having my own business at some point but I think originally I didn't think that I would do it straight away, that I would maybe work for some companies and eventually move into having my own business. But what happened (laughs) was I did my Masters of Arts and we started the course. And then what came up is an opportunity to do an internship at a local media agency. And they said, you can do it alongside your Masters you know, because I was only doing like one or two days a week in university. So you can fit it in. So I thought, okay, let's do that. Fantastic. And I started and I hated it. (laughs) Oh, it was just so awful. I I think it was it was either one or two days a week. It's so bad that I can't even remember. I just blotted it from my mind. But there I was sitting in this horribly air-conditioned room. No one was talking to me. There was like this elitist atmosphere. And I remember going home just feeling so flat and just yeah. feeling like this isn't for me. So what happened was I, I think it was about a month in, and I then went to essentially my boss 
and I said I'm really really busy with my master's I just I'm really struggling with my workload I think I'm going to have to stop the internship (laughs) and from that moment I just thought I can't ever do that again I can't ever go back and work for someone else. It's really not for me. And I didn't know what else to do. University had kind of pushed us along this idea of move to London, work at a big design agency. I'd even had some interviews with some of the big London publishers. And there wasn't really the support for the people who didn't want to do that. So I kind of had to figure out being my own boss and freelancing, etc. on my own. But I just knew that the other option wasn't going to cut it for me. So The other option was not an option. <laughs> yeah, basically, it suddenly became just not a choice. It was clear cut. I can't work for anyone else but myself. I'll have to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> when you're forced to do that, though, it's sometimes that's really good because it forces you to think outside the box and make shit happen. Yes, that's true. It was definitely an eye-opening experience because I had no idea really what I was doing. And I think a lot of creative people, we don't really have that business head. <laughs> well, I've definitely found that in my experience that, you know, it just doesn't come as naturally to me. So I really did have to learn and still learning. You know, it's still a process of refinement. But in those early days, I felt a little bit like a headless chicken wandering around, (laughs) (laughs) wondering what I was doing. (laughs) Mine too. I'm of the same mind. That's great that you brought that up because I wanted to talk about that. And the fact that I think you could probably say this is probably, I mean, I'm casting a wide net here, but I think that a lot of creatives think that way. It's like, we would rather just create and fuck the business stuff. I don't want to deal with it. I just want to focus on my creative projects. I just want to work over here. Someone else can deal with the business stuff. And that's what we have a hard time. At least I found in my experience as well. When I first jumped into entrepreneurship as a photographer, it's like, I don't want to deal with the business shit. Forget it. I don't care. But I mean, you do. You have to. You have no choice. Yeah, this is the frustrating thing about it. We're kind of forced to because we don't have so many of us are starting these creative careers on a shoestring you don't have the budget to outsource and yet we know that outsourcing some of this stuff so you know I give someone else that and I stay in my zone of genius that would make the business go it would make the business grow and flow and yet we can't access it so we're kind of stuck in this (laughs) perpetual loop of struggling it's really frustrating really hard yeah it is it is I've always found that interesting though and I when I talk to creatives, I try and pose that question if I can mm. remember to when we're having our conversation. <laughs> so I'm curious, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and to keep pushing and excelling at all that you do, Camilla? Oh, that's a really good question. I think I just can't help it. It's one of those things that if I don't like where I am, if I feel stuck, then the worst thing for me to do would be to stay there. I have to keep moving. I'm always striving towards something more because I've spent a lot of years suffering and struggling with episodes of depression. And I really didn't want to stay there. I didn't want that to be the story of my life. You know, I remember, I haven't ever really told anyone this, but I can't believe I'm saying it, but here we go. Some (laughs) some honest talk here. When I was younger, sort of late teens I used to you know how you'd have your birthday wish blow out your candles I just used to wish to be happy that's how bad it got at some points and so for me the inspiration and the motivation to keep going is just I don't want to go back to feeling like that and having to use a birthday wish on wishing to be happy yeah I want to create that for my life now you know I have two dogs I want to give them the best most exciting life possible 
I want to have that freedom that freelancing and being your own boss creates. I want to be able to, rather than just, you know, you see all these people and they are just dead at their desks. And I don't want to be that person. I want to have a rich and exciting life and do the things, you know, experience all the possibilities of life there is to offer. And I think it's really that that just motivates me to keep going. And in terms of inspiration, I tend to go back to the people and the things like my dogs that I love. Yeah. They tend to inspire me, particularly my dogs. They're always <laughs> full of inspiration for me. But the other big inspiration for me is nature. Very much an outside earth girl. And that's where my ideas come from. I think the fluidity of nature and how it's always changing and evolving for me it's very much like the creative process and it reminds me of our impermanence on this planet so that's the inspiration to keep evolving and moving myself rather than stay stuck essentially well it's like us i mean we're always and ever evolving and changing as well so absolutely yeah i think that's really important because a lot of people don't think that we can change and evolve but if there's one thing i've learned actually you absolutely can change you can grow as a person it's more about giving yourself permission to do so well thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing that moment that's powerful like really really powerful thank you so much for sharing that thank you for creating a safe space that i can share i really didn't know i was going to come here and say that but there we go here we are it's out So, Camilla, what set you on this path of creativity and helping people find creativity within them? How did your journey begin? Oh, well, creativity, I I was the creative child. I did a lot of pretty much everything, you know, painted, wrote, sung, drew, all of it. So it's always been within me. But in terms of helping other people, because I was very much, I spent quite a lot of years just doing design work and freelancing and photography. It's only been in the last few years that it's become more of an outward helping people. Because what happened is I set up my own publishing company and it was mainly focused on the production side of the books. So the design and the formatting and actually publishing them. But I got people coming to me saying, I need help with the writing. I'm stuck here. And I had my own hangups about being a writer So I was struggling to help them. And I took on a coaching qualification in order to help these people better. But what it opened up, because obviously through the coaching qualification, it was an ILM one. So you had to do like 60 hours of coaching for your portfolio, blah, blah, blah. So I'm getting all these different people to do my coaching hours. And suddenly I realized that that's the thing that it really lit me up. Just helping people, seeing them achieve their goals, their creative goals, or sometimes it was business goals, whatever it was. There was something in that that just kind of lit this fire. And I started to realize that I actually had a flair for it. So it kind of, it sort of took on a life of its own and just started snowballing, as it were, that actually this feels like it could be maybe a a purpose, a sole purpose. It just sort of ignited that spark of, I wasn't just here to put beautiful things out into the world, but to help other people create and make and put beautiful things out into the world as well. And that just, it added a richness to my story. Yeah. That I don't think I would have had had I just continued on the path of being a freelancer or designer, photographer, etc. It's funny the paths that our lives take that our lives take us. And I know. We right? end up in places that we never thought we'd be, you know. It's, Absolutely. it's so amazing. You never know what is going to turn you, what is going to be that turning point in life that's gonna shift something massive for yeah. you. It's always so surprising when you look back in hindsight. 
but we also have to remember to be open to those opportunities when they present themselves. Definitely. Definitely. Right? Yep. That's beautiful. I love it. So keeping in the theme of creativity and the arts, what are your thoughts now on formal, because I know you've had this training, mm -hmm. formal and educational training for the arts. Do you think it's absolutely necessary or are you of the mind that, no, you don't need to have that classic or formal educational training to be an artist? I don't think you do. I I went for it because I didn't know what else to do with my life and I wanted to refine a very specific skill set. So I did go through doing a bachelor and master's of art. But I don't think you have to. I think creativity is one of those things that as long as you give yourself permission to access it, because a lot of people have denied themselves permission, but giving yourself permission to even just try that opens up the possibility that you can do it. And right. so it's one of those things, you can cultivate it, you can learn how to get better. You may not, you know, be the next, you know, classic painter, but right. everyone still has some kind of baseline talent and creativity that we can all access. So I don't think you need to. I mean, we've seen plenty of people throughout the years in all kinds of creative discipline that make it and they had no formal training at all. But yeah. they would just loved what they did. And I think it's that passion for what you do that carries you through. If you're passionate about it, if you really love it, you'll keep practicing. Yeah. And the more you practice, the more you perfect it, the more you get just better. And eventually, you know, you'll hit your stride. People start to notice if that's what you want to do with it, if you want to yeah. take it seriously. So no, I think there's a lot of issues within formal art education. Um, <laughs> but won't get into that right now but <laughs> that's a whole think, other episode <laughs> yeah I think it is um so I think really it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you say that that's the only route into creativity then a lot of people are not going to be able to ever access it so for me you know try it give it a go yeah. allow yourself permission to even try and just see what you can do well this is a great segue into my next couple of topics I want oh, to discuss excellent. with you <laughs> So as a creative, again, and a creativity coach, I think about this a lot and I wonder about it and I've talked to many people about it because it's just something that's usually sitting there in my mind and I, I think about it often. When it comes to artists, athletes, musicians, you know, just people, there are some people, there are a select few, we'll say 10% of the, just for sake mm. of numbers, that are just, they're born with that innate talent like it's just in them the you know geniuses. like yeah like it's like they come out with a paintbrush in their hands <laughs> or a guitar or drumsticks or what you know what i mean yeah, they just absolutely. they just have it and it's almost like they don't even really need to practice i know that's not true they mm -hmm. do of course they do but i've always wondered and i always think about the fact that there's that 10% but the other 90% do you think that that other 90% can ever achieve or attain that level of skill that those people are just innately born with through practice, through learning? Do you think they can ever hit that same stride? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, I think some people do just have that natural eye for it, but I also am mindful of the fact that if you go look at any of the really famous painters, for example, and you look at what is considered to be their best work, I'm going to hazard a guess that 99%, 100% of the time, it wasn't their first painting. Yes, right. their first painting had a flair to it. It was great, but it wasn't their best work. They still had to work at it. And I mean, for me, I started doing graphic design back in 
I think it was about 2001. And I was making like little blinkies and blends and things. <laughs> and I wasn't good. I didn't know what I was doing. And yet I refined it. You know, I think for people who don't feel like they are creative, A, take that label off right now because that's not serving you. But also you can practice, you can cultivate these things. Who said that you can't get as good as right. someone else? I think it really is that ability to just give into the passion and just refine the process rather than just saying, oh, well, I'm never going to be that good because I don't have that talent I wasn't born like that and then just giving up yeah. actually what a lot of that incredible skill is is down to these people who just won't give up that tenacity they just can't help themselves it's almost like a compulsion yeah they're obsessed so they just keep going and often you look at these people who have created you know masses amounts of work and they're all masterpieces they've done it over a long period of time in fact yeah. entire lifetimes so yeah. why not someone you know the average joe on the street who's never picked up a paintbrush why can't they do the same if they want to i don't see where they can't try as yep. long as they're committed to trying i think that's the thing people come to it with the perception of oh, i'm going to paint a picture and it's going to be the next monet <laughs> and it's like no it doesn't work like that no. you know give it a few years practice a bit and you'll start to see the improvement but from the first go for a lot of people no it's not going to look anywhere near that very interesting. I always, I love hearing other people's thoughts, other artists' thoughts on that. And so again, this leads us into another great one. And you've touched on this already. You do hear a lot of people say, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Mm. It's just not who I am. I don't have this with it. So what do you say to people that say that to you? As a creativity coach, how do you handle that? Well, I think for me, it's about trying to help people redefine what creativity means because a lot of people are of this mindset that creativity is some kind of tangible piece of artwork. And often most people consider it to be a painting, a drawing, a something. But for me, I see creativity in so many things, not just the traditional creative professions, you know, such as drawing, painting, photography, design, illustration, etc. What about things like, I'm thinking of my husband for a second, his ability to go into the kitchen towards the end of the week when we need to do a food shop and find all the random things in the cupboard and make a meal out of it that tastes good <laughs> what about people who cultivate beautiful flower beds you know mm -hmm. those gorgeous english borders and they they're very intentional with how they're planting things or you've bought some flowers from the shop and you arrange it these are all creative things. They're small creative things, but for me, they're still creative. And I like to try and encourage people to see creativity can be not just the beautiful painting that sits in one of the museum. It can be, you know, you've got some photos that you want to put into a scrapbook. How are you arranging them on the page? What is your thought process behind why do you want to put that picture there and there? And what do you want to write with it? And people who like scrapbook and collage with all the different papers and they cut bits out and all of that kind of stuff, that's all creative. So for me, helping people redefine that creativity is like the first step to helping right. them access it. Brilliant. I love that. What is the most challenging part of the work you do in terms of helping people tap into or find their creative voice, their creativity within? I think really the most important thing, and it always is the challenge, is helping them drown out everyone else's noise and yeah. tune into their what I call internal authority. 
but to go past that inner critic because that's where the imposter syndrome lives and that can also stop us in our tracks if we're not listening to everyone else and you know worrying about their external opinions and judgments then we've got our own so it's kind of going beyond that going deeper inwards and getting to that really that really silent essence of yourself where you feel the creativity where it just kind of flows from you through you maybe when you can get people to that state which is really hard because you know what imposter syndrome kicks up such a fuss it really kicks back it grips people so hard but when they can get beyond that that's where the magic happens and sometimes you can just kind of get a little fleeting image of that I mean I was doing a collaging workshop and they had a playlist an instrumental playlist that they got everyone to listen to while we were creating these collages and it put you into such a meditative state that all of that noise just drowned out and it started to flow. So I experimented with this and in my own work, in my own design things, I was using the same playlist yeah. and I found that it really drowned out that noise. And the quality wow. of the work that I was producing changed and improved as a result. So it just showed me the power of, you know, just getting rid of that monologue and the outside and internal monologues, both of them. When you get beyond that, like I said, there's the magic. That's where it happens. Yeah, that's not an easy task, though. That's for sure. (laughs) No, it really isn't. And do you know what? It takes so long to help people work through and let go of these limiting beliefs. Because you know what? They grip us tight. You know, the ego is there to try and keep us safe because it's trying to keep us in the comfort zone of what we know. And the unknown is scary for a reason you know we just don't know what's out there but it's also where the growth happens where the evolution happens it's where all the creativity and the magic really lives yeah so you've got to be able to not be afraid to take the leap and dive into it for sure i mean the fact that we have to deal with the outer noise the critics the naysayers the Mm. haters all of that but honestly i mean i think that if we can get past and clear that hurdle of the inner critic and the imposter syndrome, that outer noise, that's nothing compared to dealing with the insides. Yeah. So if you can get past the inner critic, you're laughing, you've got it made because that other shit just falls away. It really does fall away. It really, really does. Because then you know that you're the one with the authority. So who cares what anyone else thinks? That's right. So what inspires you to create art? Where do you pull inspiration from when you're creating? So I pull it from all kinds of places. For me, my creative work is really a, it's a collage in itself. I collect ideas from things that I've read and pictures and then funny moments from my life, stories I've heard from other people. I don't think I can even tell you where it comes from one place because it comes from so many different places. And it's almost like making, I say creativity is magic quite often because it is like that for me. It's like creating a potion. I've got a cauldron and I just throw all these things in a pot. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. And I just see what happens. For me, it's that bringing together of all these bits and you know you twist them into your own perspective and you know nothing ever looks like the original place that it came from but you create something amazing out of it I love that I can just envision you standing there (laughs) over a cauldron mixing up well I am born on Halloween so (laughs) I am the original witch (laughs) (laughs) I love it Camilla (laughs) 
So can you share with us a little bit about your creativity and coaching business and how long ago you started it? Oh, yes. So the creativity and coaching business kind of came in the last year or two, because what, like I said earlier, what had happened is I'd been doing the publishing. And for the last three years, I've been working with writers who've been saying, please help me with the writing. I'm stuck in the process. And I was really, really struggling with it. It got to, I think it was, must have been halfway through 2020. And I just realized, you know what? I can't get them where they want to go because I've got my own hangups about writing. And I was, I was trying to do it in a mentoring capacity, but I didn't have enough writing experience to help them. So that's when I went and started a coaching qualification January 2021 and from there that's where the coaching side of the business has come in and it was through doing the qualification that I realized it wasn't just writers I wanted to coach it really was the entire breadth of creative people you know if you've got some kind of creative business you want to reach your creative potential it didn't really matter to me what your medium was because for me those things that we experience those hang-ups the imposter syndrome etc they're kind of universal it doesn't matter whether you're a painter a photographer a writer sculptor everyone still struggles with those same things so I just realized that that would create variety for me it would help so many more people because although I do have a soft spot for the writers I also do really enjoy very visual arts I'm a visual person so it's nice to be able to help as many people as possible and kind of I know they say niche down when you're trying to build yeah. a business but yeah that doesn't work for me <laughs> I, li- <laughs> well, you, I like variety <laughs> just just do you that's it yeah just I think that's you- really important Yeah, for sure. What is your favorite form or way of expressing your creativity? Or one of them anyways? Oh, I think photography has always been my one true love when it comes to anything creative. I did try and do it as a business for a short amount of time. But I think by turning it into a business, that's where the passion lost itself for me. There was other reasons why I stopped working as a wedding photographer. But actually just taking a camera, particularly a film camera, And just going out there and just playing, just seeing what I can create. That's always been the thing that I love doing the most. Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I told people that I was going to leave corporate and jump into photography Mm. as a business, because I'd I'd been shooting since I was in high school, I learned to shoot on film and develop my own images in the darkroom. Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? it, Oh, that right there, that process in the darkroom, that is magic. Seeing those images... They just Jump come off yeah. the paper. Yeah, it's just absolutely. It's magic. Abso- Do you know what? It is. It is. I, so my dad got me my first digital camera in the early 2000s, and it was a mm-hmm. little tiny blue thing that sat on the palm of my hand. It yeah. had like literally just the shutter button and an on-off button, and that was it. <laughs> and I was kind of in love with it from that moment. But when I got to college and they had a dark room, oh, it was magic. Just yeah. spent hours upon hours in there. And yeah. to, if I'm being honest, all of my other subjects – kind of faded away I didn't (laughs) didn't do as well at them as I could have because it was just that dark room there's something about that process of you've got this blank piece of paper you've exposed your picture onto it and then you just see it form in front of your eyes there's nothing like that feeling yeah in the chemical bath just seeing that image come to it's it is it's a magical magical process but so 
when I was telling people, they're like, well, aren't you afraid that you're going to destroy what photography is to you by taking it on as a career? You know, I've heard Mm -hmm. so many people say, oh, when you, when you do something you love and you turn it into a business, you end up hating it. It's like, that didn't happen for me. I still, to this day, love photography. That's my first, as you said, it's my first love. That's my first passion. It's an incredible art form. And it's just, no, I, I didn't experience that. I think that's really lucky. I wonder for me if it was because I went into a different kind of photography than what I really loved. Because I'd obviously, I liked doing kind of nature and my pets and just kind of natural stuff. And then I jumped into wedding photography, which has got its own set of responsibilities and pressures. (laughs) Yes. So I think that was probably the bit that made me enjoy it less. I would say that would probably, that makes sense. I mean, because you're just jumping in because now that it's a business, you got to make money. So you'll just do whatever you have to do within those parameters to make the money. Even yeah, if you and there's like that pressure. It. You can't experiment so much on a wedding day because you've got to no. make sure that you capture those images for that couple. You only get one shot at the kiss and yeah. the ring exchange, etc. You can't just sort of stop the ceremony midway and say, <laughs> hey, can you just do that bit again? I missed it. <laughs> it doesn't work you, like that. You, you don't have that freedom of creativity. No, exactly. So I think that was the bit that sort of killed it for me. And it's it's been a struggle for me to get back into it. I haven't picked the camera up as much as I would like to yeah. in the years since I stopped being a wedding photographer. But it is always the thing that when I think about how I'd like to express my photography or my creativity, yeah. it's always photography I come back to. Well, then maybe you need to just grab your camera one day and just go out into nature and shoot yes. what you love. Maybe just, I should. Just be in that. Just go with it and just let things unfold the way they're supposed to. Just take your camera and walk and see yeah. what you see what you create. You might maybe surprise yourself. <laughs> So I know through previous conversation with you that you're very big on changing or challenging the narrative on having to suffer to be a creative, that whole starving artist bullshit narrative that has been created and passed down through the generations of artists. Why is this mission of shifting or challenging that narrative so personally important to you? And what are some of the steps you're taking in order to flip that narrative? It's important to me personally, because I've lived it myself, you know, as I've been using my coaching skills and building my business I've come up against all of these same issues and realized that it's just shit why should we feel like that the the whole society and creative industries are geared towards not the success of the creator themselves and well what's the point in that that's just stupid it's for the enjoyment of everyone else but the detriment of us and that really frustrates me And originally I was, I remember being in a conversation with someone and I said, this is something I want to challenge and I don't really know how I'm going to do it, but I want to challenge this and change this across the board for creative (laughs) industries. And I remember them saying to me, but you kind of are doing it already. And Hmm. I sort of looked like, "What, what do you mean? And what he said in response completely changed how I view what I do and how I'm actually working to change this. Because he said, you're already working with people and having these conversations when you're coaching clients, this is what you work on. So my original idea had been to make a big change, you know, activate a lot of people at once and get really loud and noisy about it. But suddenly I realized it really does come back to us as individuals because you change someone's mindset, they change their mindset and realize, you know what, I don't have to buy into the fact that I have to be a suffering artist I can be a joyful artist I can be rich and wealthy and love it and only do the bits I like and 
blah 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 when they come into that space they interact with the people around them differently yeah. and they educate their friends and their clients and then those people will then go do the same and it creates a ripple out in that way so yeah for me, it really is about the individuals. Yes, I could talk and make a lot of noise about it. I could go on podcasts and TV and media and <laughs> you know talk about it till the cows come home. But really, if it's not affecting someone at an individual level, it's not going to change anything. So for me, but, I just come back to that, you know, work with that coachee. Let's work on your mindset. Yeah. And let it ripple out. But so often you hear people say, well, what difference can I make? I'm just one person. And mm. That comes, this exactly what you just described comes to mind. You can make yeah. a difference no matter how big or small. Absolutely. You can I mean, make a difference. It starts with you. It starts with one person. It does. I mean, imagine if no one went out to vote one day. Yeah. It would only take one person to swing the vote. So we all think that we don't have the power, but we really do when, you know, you start to work on it for yourself and then the person next to you is working on it as well. We do start to have more collective power than we realize, but you don't get that unless you work at it on an individual level first. 100%. So I'd like to talk a little bit about your writing now. Ooh, okay. Writing, <laughs> has that always been something that was part of you? or who you are and or was this a fairly new path for you the whole writing thing and how did writing kind of transition into if it happened this way for you into starting a publishing company so i think books and stories have always been my thing i used to wake my mum up at like five in the morning saying please read me a story and she'd be reading it and i'd say no no you've got to do the voices mum <laughs> and then she'd finish the story and i'd say can we have another one please i was that kid uh, she called me a book monster because i just used to read so much and i loved writing but what happened was a relative came over one day i think it was about eight so you know at that pivotal time where you're really starting to find yourself in the world and I showed him a story and it was an epic fantasy of 12 pages long uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was called the princess and the orb I still remember even the little cover that I drew and I showed it to him and he read it and he said oh well it's not lord of the rings is it wow and see, epic fantasy, like Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, etc. they yeah. were my thing. That magical world, I loved it. So when yeah. he said that, I was crushed and I just didn't feel like I could write anymore. If I couldn't write that good, then what was the point in trying? Which I think is what led me to doing the design work. I could then design the books that the stories lived in, but I didn't have to write them myself. So it was about 25 years up until where I am today. And I just didn't write a thing, you know, okay, social media posts, blog posts, etc. But nothing really, truly creative, nothing really about myself. And because I had gone down this path of designing books, and that, that had led to setting up my publishing company, I realized that I couldn't keep going through life just helping the writers. At some point, they were going to say, well, what about you? What about your yeah. writing experience? Can you write? And I realized it was such a problem and I wanted to address it. So I used my own coaching skills on myself, you know, subconscious mindset tools, all of that kind of stuff. And I remember, I think it was sometime August 2021, the memory resurfaced of this comment that the relative made and the feelings were as raw that day as they were the day the relative actually said wow. them it was just the most horrendous feeling and I thought a I need to heal this I can't live like this b I never want anyone to feel like this either yeah. I don't want anyone to feel like they can't share their voice speak their truth follow their dream and so I worked on it and 
I think it was about November last year, suddenly I started writing poetry for the first time in 25 years. And I thought, oh, I need to keep going with this. I've got to gain that momentum, keep going. And this opportunity to be part of a multi-author book kind of appeared in my inbox one day. And it was one of those full body yes moments. I just knew I had to be part of it. And so I signed up to contribute a chapter to Sacred Redesign alongside you. And I haven't stopped since. It's just kind of reignited the passion. And at some point, I'm sure I will, you know, write fiction again. But at the moment, I'm staying in that nonfiction world, just getting a feel for what it feels like to be a writer again. Get back into that, slip back into that persona, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that I'm feeling into. It's been kind of alien, but yeah, I can feel the passion really rising. And I can feel like those those fiction ideas they keep coming to me and sort of having a look like are you ready to write about us yet no not quite yet not quite yet but stories we're aren't there. ready to come out yet yeah <laughs> I love absolutely it. that's amazing so can you share with us a little bit about the publishing company yes yeah, so it's called Takassia Publishing and the name came up it was basically letters from all the dogs I've had because my dogs have always been a great inspiration in my life so I took letters from their name and just made up a word I didn't want to do like a a pun on books for the name of the company I didn't want to use my own name so I just thought yeah let's make something up let's make something different and it started in late 2019 And like I said, I started off doing author services. So, you know, the book design, production, formatting, etc. And that was going well. But then what happened was I got these people saying, please help me with the writing process. And (laughs) there we go. I've I've explained about how that happened. And it's now grown into because I've had this multi-author experience. And I've also had a solo author experience because I've written my own book on archetypes this year. And what Congratulations. I'm, thank you. <laughs> but this up. is the thing. No one really knows about it. I haven't made a lot of noise about it because it's such a stark experience compared to the multi-author books. Solo authoring can be so lonely, so hard because you don't have that power of the group. So what I've been looking at in the last literally few weeks, and this is where my publishing company is going forwards, is we, I'm going to start doing more multi-author books because they're just so exciting they've got that energy they're a great stepping stone for people but also how can I bring that experience the best parts of multi-author books into solo authoring to just make it easy because I've seen so many authors in the last three years struggle to get over the line with their books and I, I myself at some points it felt like pulling teeth and so that's where I'm going forwards of you know bringing in more of that group experience into solo authoring, which I realise sounds a bit counterintuitive, but I'm quite excited to bring into the world what I've created here because I think it's going to really revolutionise for entrepreneurs the solo author experience because writers, like the fiction writers, they know what they're getting into. It's their full-time job. They have a different mindset when it comes to writing. But for entrepreneurs, that solitary experience can be really hard to cope with. And that's why so many of them just don't get it done. So I think bringing the best parts of multi-authoring into their experience will help them get these books over the line that then build their business, that help other people. So I'm really excited to bring it into my business and help other people do it. That's pretty much where I am at the moment with it. I'm excited for you. I think it's an amazing idea. And you're right. I mean, entrepreneurship, solopreneurship is lonely as it is. So then you tack on being a solo author to that. And it's just 
incredibly isolating. So that co-authoring environment is just so incredible because you all feed off of each other's energy and support one another. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful experience. It really is. And that's what I wanted to bring to the solo authors. And also there's a power in that group. There's a power in that energy, particularly on like launch day. It's so exciting. And I know for myself, when I launched my solo book and it was available to buy on Amazon, it didn't have that feeling at all. It wasn't exciting. I was just like, oh, it's there. (laughs) And I don't want other people to experience that. So yeah, it's really important to kind of marry the two and create something new for people. I love it. I think it's a brilliant idea. Thank you. As previously mentioned, you're also a podcast host. I am. Can you tell us a bit about your podcast, the title, subject matter? Is it interview style? Is it solo? Is it a mix? Tell us all about it. So it's kind of been born out of my trying to advocate for change in the creative industry. It's called Creative Power. And essentially, it's an outlet for these things I want to talk about, like, you know, addressing the starving artist mentality um i have my thoughts on rewriting the hero's journey narrative all of those kind of things are what i talk about to try and help people really achieve their creative potential and also to have the conversations that people don't seem to be having in the creative world i mean i look at a lot of podcasts about creativity and they're all talking about oh what to do when you're uninspired and those kind of things it's not that i don't do any of those episodes but i also want to get to those deeper issues yeah and for the most part it's been solo episodes i do have an interview series that i'm doing with my dear friend emily tuck she comes in every six weeks to talk about we're following the pagan wheel of the year all of the different solstices and sabbats and she's talking about the impact of creativity how they impact creativity which has been fascinating i do want to bring in more interviews into the podcast but you know when you can feel your podcast is changing shape yep energetically it's in an incubation phase of doing a thing (laughs) i'm not quite sure at this stage what it's going to come out looking like so i'm just kind of rolling with it as it is for now but i can definitely feel it's it's changing it's it's doing something so i think it's going in the way of more interviews maybe a slightly different like a tweak in focus i don't think it will be rebranded too much but it's a fun process for me it's been really good to help me put my stake in the ground you know really reclaim my voice and just say the things that i don't think people are talking about enough It it really is it's a powerful platform yeah it really is beautiful What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that helped you become successful? Oh, I think it's my ability to see a spark in someone. I can see when someone's got some magic in them, when they can't necessarily see it. And I'm really good at pulling out of them. It sounds really strange, but it's just one of those things. I don't know if it's just my ability to always see the good in people or what it is, but when someone's got something really unique to give to the world, I can see it before they can. That's what I do with my coaching, help them really shape it and also help them kind of accept the gift that they've got. Because sometimes you can be a bit like, oh, I don't know if I even want to do it or I'm not sure about it or it feels too big. Who am I to do it? Yeah, I'd say that's my superpower, seeing that spark in people and teasing it out of them that's a wonderful superpower helping people giving back and impact you know it's that's what it's about speaking of success how do you define the word success for me I think it goes back to my vulnerable moment earlier of being happy and for everyone that looks different 
happiness you know for some people it may be you know having millions in the bank or it may be having a little you know cottage by the sea or whatever but defining success for me is just about am I happy am I enjoying my life do I have the freedom that I wanted for my life because that's why I chose to be my own boss anyway to have that freedom to just say you know what I don't want to do any work today I want to go to the beach I want to go you know out for lunch with my family having that freedom to just move as I'm guided to as I want to that's part of the success for me just being able to pick up my business and then just put it down when I want to and know that it's still there it's still running it doesn't need me to be in it 24 7. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life and what was your life like before you learned it and what was your life like after learning it? I think knowing that I can change my mindset has been the most important thing because you know as I said earlier I struggled with things like depression and there's days where you know you just don't see a way out of the tunnel you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel and the day that as I mentioned her before Emily Tuck came into my life and said you know what you can change how you feel you can change your mindset you can heal your wounds of the past and free yourself from those limiting beliefs and everything holding you back that was the life-changing moment for me because I've become so much lighter as a person I've become more confident, more optimistic, become, I wouldn't say more of a go-getter, but I definitely have more motivation to get myself out there and do the things now because I feel like I can. I feel like it's possible. I can actually reach and taste that success that I dreamt of or hoped of. It doesn't feel like it's just a, you know, far off pipe dream anymore. Yeah. Emily is a beautiful, beautiful soul. She, she is, is so genuinely beautiful. She she's is. Just, I love her so yeah, much. She's just an amazing human being and is so about helping people mm-hmm. and giving back and support. And look at what she's done for you by supporting you and telling absolutely. you and encouraging you. She is absolutely beautiful. She just truly. showed me that, you know what, I don't have to be held back by the person that I was. Yeah. I can be someone new and I'm so thankful for that. It's completely changed my life. Yeah, she's amazing. She is. What does the word empowerment mean to you? I think it means, for me, freedom. Freedom to express myself and for other people to express themselves authentically, to be exactly who you are and not be afraid to say it or be it without you know worrying about anyone else's opinions. I think that's what I would say empowerment is for me. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? Oh, this is is a big question. I think I would say the two great loves of my life. And one of them is my husband. He has shown me that it's okay to be myself. He believes in me when I haven't believed in myself. He's shown me what it is to have someone I can rely on, someone who's consistent. And he always encourages me to be the best version of myself that I can be. And the other great love of my life was an ex-boyfriend that I had before I met my husband. He held up a mirror to me and showed me the best and worst parts of myself. And I was afraid of them. I found it hard to deal with, but it was actually really important for my growth. And he also, he helped me access a new level of my creativity, which I didn't realize. And both of them have taught me in like their presence and absence, unconditional love, which has been so important. That is for sure. That's beautiful. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So okay. the next grouping of questions just be two, three, four word answer type cool. thing, okay? Yep. How would you describe yourself in one word? A dreamer. What was your dream job as a child? Writer. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? I'm a catalyst 
only get to know me if you're okay with your world being turned upside down and inside out. (laughs) (laughs) No joke. All right. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? That you can let go of the suffering framework and that you can come from a space of joy and love. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? To have my soul tribe around me. What is your favorite word? Meraki. It's a Greek word that essentially means to pour a piece of your heart and soul into your creative works. Love that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Would you rather have more time or more money? Time. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) You did great. You did great. Thank you. (laughs) Camilla, what is your why? I just love seeing people really find their spark that when you have that feeling where you found your purpose and you're in flow you achieve your dreams there's nothing like that feeling for me there's nothing like seeing someone just shine and soar and that's the feeling that I kind of live for just helping people really find their voice and just achieve their creative potential it's almost like a kind of mother hen feeling. You just feel yeah. so proud of them when they do yeah. it. I love I, That's what I live for. There's so much power in that. Yeah. So much. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? I don't really have idols as such, but the one person I would probably pick is a Japanese singer. Her name is Ayumi Hamasaki. I found her music when I was a teenager and it's been there in like my lightest and darkest moments, always been inspirational for me. So to have a conversation with her, because obviously, you know, she's in Japan, so it seems unlikely that would probably be the person I'd want to sit down and chat with. What's an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? My nan died in 2017 and it was my nan dying that changed the course of my business and life essentially because a few months later I'd kind of been strong for everyone strong for my mum strong for my granddad and I remember being at a wedding and had a panic attack come out of nowhere and I think what it was is that stress you know carrying everyone else being strong just kind of compounded with the oh my god responsibility of being at a wedding and all of that and I in that moment I realized that I couldn't do weddings anymore So I finished all the weddings I had and didn't book any new ones. I just realized it wasn't fair on me, them, etc. And I didn't know what else to do. So moved back to graphic design, which is where I met someone who then asked me to help them design their book. And that set off my publishing company. And so here we are today. And I think although it was a horrible shock when we lost my nan and we all miss her every day, it's, it's been really tough. I think actually the blessing in it in her passing was that it moved me into my sole purpose in a way that I could never have imagined because I honestly thought when I was in my photography business I thought this is it for me I thought I'd found my thing I really did (laughs) even though I was stressed on the actual wedding days I still loved you know the whole process you know on the whole it was great and the weddings were fun even if they were stressful so it was a blessing in a way for her to go so suddenly because it's pushed me into this yeah much as I miss her I don't think any of that would have happened you know had she not passed away so suddenly wow that's I mean it's beautiful trying to find a silver lining in a horrible experience you have to right you have to look for the silver lining in all the experiences that we go through in life and you found yours I mean 
as sad as it was to lose your, your nan, yeah. look at where it's led you, you know, Absolutely. she was guiding you. I think she was. I yeah. really think she was yeah. the one who saw me, saw me from up there. <clears throat> My yeah. voice is going now because I'm obviously onto something. She saw me come out there and thought, you know what? You're not doing what you're meant to do. I'm yeah. just going to shift you. I'm just yeah. going to move you. I'm going to gently nudge you into yep. this. This is where you need to be. Absolutely. That, that is so beautiful. Camilla, what does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? Oh, she is. Normally I would say, you know, she's got like a red lipstick on and wearing a fedora, etc. But actually the best <laughs> version of me is wearing roller skates, dungarees and got her hair up in space buns. And the reason I say that is because she is the most joyful version of me. And that is really something that is important for me to find right now. I love that. Chase that girl, find that yeah. girl and step into that. I am going to. I've I've got the skates on order. They are yes. coming. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm nearly there. <laughs> there you go. You you can just you can touch it. It's right there. Yeah, it's literally within touching distance. I love it. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? I think I wouldn't go tell her don't listen to your relative, keep writing or something, because I don't know how that would change things. So I think, because I don't think I'd want to change things, if I'd have just been down the path of being a writer, I wouldn't have been able to help all these other people. So I wouldn't have wanted to be too specific with my advice to her. But I think what I would say to her is be yourself, always be authentic. Don't let anyone dictate to you what you can and can't do. Because when I am my authentic self, that is where the magic happens and when I've lost that spark that's where I've kind of gone astray and you know taken all these detours and diversions so that would be my message to her always 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 be your authentic self beautiful lastly if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world your corner of the world like your tribe your people what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say or what words of wisdom would you impart? Ooh, that's a really good question. I think I would say covering, you know, touching on some of the things we talked about earlier, you can change your mindset. You can let go of those limiting beliefs. You don't have to stay stuck where you are. It starts at an individual level. And, you know, you may need subconscious tools and mindset to you know all of those things to help you actually shift it but you can shift it you can become a new person you don't have to stay stuck with all these labels that you've given yourself because the thing is we spend 24 7 365 days with us with ourselves so you've got to make sure that you like yourself that you enjoy being with yourself and if you don't you do have the power to change it I know because I've done it myself and I'm really starting to love and embrace who I am now and it's made a difference to my creativity my business all aspects of my life have improved as a result so don't allow those limiting beliefs stop you or hold you back don't feel like you have to stay with them you can move past them you can heal those old wounds and create whatever you really want to create in your life beautifully said thank you thank so much you. what a wonderful way to end the interview that was beautiful camilla thank you so much i have so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation we've gone in so many different directions and it's just been a beautiful beautiful flowing conversation and 
I am so grateful that our paths crossed and I am honored and excited to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. And this conversation has just been so inspiring for me. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you for agreeing to be here and thank just you for be having part me. of this. It's Honestly, been, it's been a pleasure. It really, really has. Truly has. I am so grateful for you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Camilla Fellas Arnold. She is a creativity and writing coach, a publisher, podcast host, an artist, photographer, and graphic designer. Thank you so much, Camilla. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.